0: Women in Maritime Operations is an organization of women with more than 800 members across 200 companies. We are excited to celebrate our sixth year of educating, engaging and elevating women in the maritime industry. We are dedicated to connecting women from all corners of maritime operations and fostering a strong community of support and collaboration. Join us and discover our member benefits. We offer a variety of in-person and virtual events so members can participate regardless of geographical location. To learn more about WIMOS and how you can be a part of this incredible journey, visit www.wemos.org. Welcome back to Between the Levees. Let me begin by thanking our sponsor, WIMOS. Today, we have a former president of that organization, Ms. Holly Norman has had a, a long career with Ingram Barge. She's had logistics experience, operations experience, sales and liquids and dry cargo, and of course, a number of organizations that I probably don't even know about. But let's begin with this. Holly, thank you very much for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Please, as these all begin, tell me, where were you born?
1: Donaldsonville, Louisiana, born and raised.
0: Tell me about life growing up over there.
1: So uh, mom, dad, uh, my dad actually worked for Burnside Armett. Uh, and he did the rail sales for, he was the manager of rail for the bauxite and alumina. So he had a little bit experience. I can remember whenever I was applying for the job at Ingram, he, he knew the rail side and it knew a little bit about the blue water. And he's like, just be prepared. It's a whole nother world. And of course, I didn't listen to him. And of course he was right. Um, and then my mom, she stayed home with us and then she went back to work whenever we went to school and she worked in, as a librarian. So um, country living, lived out, no neighbors. There, My mom's still living in the same house I was raised in. Um, was a tomboy up until I realized you were supposed to have girlfriends and do sleepovers when I was about 13, but I was my daddy's sidekick. so. A uh, very unique upbringing, I think, and but very proud of it.
0: What kind of mischief were you getting into?
1: Well, my dad was a gunsmith on the side. So that was our everyday life was, you know, something with dad, reloading ammunition, um, shooting whatever we could find possibly, uh, a lot of time on the levee, uh, shooting neutras and turtles and you name it, and a lot of deer hunting. So a lot of outdoor activity. We were not inside people at all.
0: <laughs> what about your, your school?
1: I uh, went to Ascension Catholic in Donaldsonville, graduated from there. And then I continued, I went to Nichols and Thibodeau, uh, finished up there with a general studies degree because I had no idea what I wanted to do. Just knew I had to get out. So I had a couple minors, but got out, got my degree. And then stumbled upon Ingram within about a year of graduation. I started a little job as a, as promotional products, products for VPP, which is the safety program in the plants. And I would host at conferences all over the country, be the person in that, in the booth, that aggravating person that tries to get you to come talk. That was me uh, to come see our products and what we can do for you. So I within six months beat the guy that had been there for like 20 years and I wanted more money and they were small mom and pop shop and they wouldn't give it to me so I took a chance and I left and then uh, stumbled upon Ingram on our, my career website at Nichols didn't know anything about barges kept passing it up for two weeks. That actually got another job in HR. And I was like, yeah, let me go check this barge thing out. And uh met Patrick Morton. He interviewed me and went up to Nashville, met that crew and got the job. And um, 17 and a half years later, still here.
0: Well, walk me through, I guess, as step by step and as much detail as you want from uh it was logistics, was your first gig, right? Yeah, started I'll in the l- goal.
1: Always in the Gulf, luckily Ingram has um, never pushed that I need to move to Nashville just yet, maybe later in life. But for now, I'm happy down here with family. Uh, Starting logistics um, was, geez, when they hired me, I was the first person I think they had hired in almost 12 years. So I was, and I was 26 and a female coming in. So um, as Tim, you know, the group I came into was very different though back then. Uh, So it was a lot of challenges, but I learned a lot, Uh, had some really great, all my mentors, two of them are still at Ingram, another one's at another company, and another one's passed away. Um, Just learned the Gulf logistics, I ran the Houston Canal for a few years, um, also the east side, then a little bit of line haul, that was my least favorite thing to do was line haul, but my favorite thing I ended up finishing out was order book, I really enjoyed which I think led me to sales. I enjoy talking to the customers. I enjoy that part of it and dealing with the vendors. So I did that for around eight years. And then uh, Ingram had some changes and I got a phone call asking if I wanted to go to Vessel Operations. My first question was, what is that and what do they do? (laughs) Uh, I had no idea. So I made the jump. Patrick Morton came along with me. He actually became my boss in operations. He was my boss in customer service, logistics. And I went to Capital Fleet and managed four vessels there uh, and the facility. We had a, uh, still there, custom fuel facility, barge maintenance. Uh, While I was there, I put in a wash dock. Uh, I managed the four vessels, um, 12 captains, 45 deck crew. Had an amazing um, crew dispatcher who helped me and amazing captains that helped me are still good friends today because it was a very big jump. not understanding you know I can logistically move a barge I knew how to get here to there but to actually watch it in action it was really valuable to me Uh, learned a lot then after three years the sales position came up and I went applied for that on dry cargo and I had had a couple people through the years say eventually this is you know maybe your end and Everybody always asks, "What's your goal? What's your goal?" And I was just working. I'm just happy to be here. Love the company. Getting along. Have you know moving up? I'm happy. So that's when I really started, like, all right, I got to get a career path here. Like, I can actually do different things, and not just stay in one job. You know, it's a different view than it was probably 20 years ago. So when the sales position came up, applied, got it, um, moved to dry cargo sales. Uh, Frank Abel was still down here and uh, he hadn't retired yet so I trained with him for about a year before he retired and uh, took over his accounts and then shoot I think by the time I left dry cargo I had up to 26 accounts and when I got it it was under 20. So um, grew that enjoyed that and then was looking for another change again and John Roberts is like hey I got an idea you want to try liquids. And I was like, eh, it's the only thing I hadn't done yet on this side of it, let's go for it. So I started that actually, it just made a year at the beginning of this month. And um, that it is it is whew, humbled me because I thought I knew stuff. I don't know crap <laughs> and I'm still learning because it is a very different world, a lot more detail, a different market, different customers. So it's been a big learning curve, but a good thing it's challenging me, it's keeping me on my toes. So. Really enjoying that.
0: Well, of course, you said uh, you would really never knew or thought about barges before you found that job listing. Tell me, uh, what was, I guess, one of the most surprising things in your time in logistics?
1: Gosh, in logistics. That's such a hidden industry that I lived on River Road. Like I mentioned earlier, I was on a levee every day playing on the river. I had no idea what was actually going on. So that's something that I do now. I work with Riverworks Discovery to talk to the high school kids and middle school and college, trying to pull people in our industry because you may live, we, so many people live right on the river. and We have absolutely no idea what's going on the other side and how big of an impact it is to the entire economy of the world. Uh, I mean, New Orleans is one of the largest ports in the world. And, you know, I know COVID brought it to light for some people to understand, like, if we're not operating, you're not getting supplies um, and how barging affects that, not just ship traffic. So that's the biggest thing. I think that that's now I guess that's what got my blood and made me. I call myself a little river geek or a river rat is that it's just so interesting. And when people ask you what you do, they're, I try to explain and i was like i can't just tell you what i do like it, it's every day is different it's been different every day for 17 years and it's going to be different every day till i retire so that's the part that just grabbed me is the uniqueness of it and the the culture is so different than any other industry you may have competitors and vendors but everybody works together i mean there's some competition out there of course but you have relationships with your competitors um, and that's something you don't really see in many other industries like we do.
0: Anything especially surprising that you you learned or saw in your time in operations?
1: Ooh, that's where all the money goes. <laughs> I learned that quickly. I can remember in logistics, you know, I'm only seeing everything go out. I'm not seeing uh where the money's going, I should say. And uh, when I got to operations and then what it really takes you know shore side people are needed i mean we are but those boat guys you can't do it without them and if they can't do it safely and smart then we're all in a bond and we don't have a job so that really shined a big light on the importance of crews keeping the crews happy uh safety how important safety is that was a huge one um that was the biggest thing that took from operations
0: give me a quick rundown i guess of uh it's probably true across many industries, but I guess the the, the sales process from maybe prospecting or, or just a new customer to the first barge loading.
1: The beginning of most processes, first find out what they're moving. You need to know, can we even, you wanna maybe build a relationship because some people may move multiple products, but what they're initially inquiring about, can we supply anything for you? Can we cover that? So once you get through that, then uh, establishing with credit, that's a big deal. Um, you know, you don't want to sell a bar to somebody who can't pay for it. So you got to find that part out. And then it's working with your logistics team. Once you get everything put together on that contract and your logistics teams, you know, you're the face they may see up front. and when it's contract negotiation and sales, but it's your logistics team that's like the backbone of that. And if they, you have a strong team your customer's happy and the less you hear from them because they're happy the better your logistics team is so um you know tim you know you were my one of my faves and you left me (laughs) i didn't have to worry much when tim was handling my accounts (laughs) in dry cargo
0: well we'll try to keep that going whoever's at the helm over there uh let's see tell me how you got involved with women in the women in maritime operations organization. And I guess your, your time so far with them.
1: Yeah. So, um, that geez, Casey Eckstein and Jenna Goday called me and said, Hey, we're having a meeting. We're looking at starting this group of lady with just women. And I was like, all right. I mean, you know, I'm typically the only woman in a room for, at that point. It had been, I guess about 10 years, a little over 10 years. And, um, we're like, they're like, we're meeting in New Orleans just for a low key. Well, like 45 women showed up. We were at a beer garden and it just ended up, the energy was just amazing. We all stayed for over three hours. It was like, where do you work? Where have you been? Who do you work for? You know, it was eye-opening and that really got my passion, I guess, going. And then Within about nine months is when Casey was leaving the industry and she called me and we had a hundred members, you know, it wasn't many, it was just in Louisiana. She's like, would you be interested in taking over? I was like, you know what? Yes, I'd love to. And it has been a roller coaster ride ever since we, I don't even know the last number. I have stepped down as president about two months ago, the last number I saw, we read over 800 women. Uh, six established chapters, I think over 10 seed chapters. Um, it has just blossomed into a way for women to feel comfortable, an area for us to educate uh, without feeling intimidated. Um, our most successful things are lunch and learns and webinars, uh, lunch and learns, we've got to go, I mean, these ladies are getting out and able to see shipyards, scrapyards, grain elevators, um, Gee, fleets, facilities, a lot of these ladies have done billing for 30 years and they've never seen a barge in person, never seen a dock, never seen a fuel flat, uh, So, or never seen a tug, you know, there's so many things that we all know we need those, those people in the background doing the billing and that side of it, but they've never been exposed to it. They just know what they see on a piece of paper. So that, I can remember our first lunch and learn was in convent, uh, Associated Terminals and ACBO hosted and we had to cut it off at 80 women. We filled that entire gym up at Associated and it was, it was just amazing. And then after that, it just never stopped. Um, the next chapter was Houston, I mean, Western Kentucky, then Houston, and then she's, we got Ohio Valley, Western Pacific, I'm missing somebody else in there. There's another one. So it's just blown up, uh, the seed chapters. Like I said, we've had women come to us from New Jersey, Florida, come to us. We're not, we're not, it, you know, you would think we're like out there advertising it and we are advertising it, but we're not pushing it for all these, ch- these women are coming to us. They're like, Hey, I want to spearhead this. I got this in my region. What do I need to do? Because I've got women that need something like this. So, um, a lot of educational stuff is our main goal. Um, well uh, every year one thing that I would do is I'd always have a leadership some type of leadership training I'd bring in a speaker um, some type of leadership coach and maybe do a three-four series or whatever and have the ladies like do a survey what topics do are you struggling with what topics do you want to learn about and then the advantages of it Uh, especially after this many years like what are we bring to the table is something that keeps getting brought up when you're looking at fees and dues and how much should I mean you know back when it was 100 people it was no big deal well looking at now we're hosting pretty large events and getting pretty expensive speakers but we're offering things and doing things for ladies that companies don't have to do they don't have to pay to have you go to training like we did hazmat we did CPR We're doing, I mean, all these types of training and certifications you can actually get with us. So it's, you know, 250 to be a member. I mean, your company's saving sometimes a couple thousand if they're not having to do, you know, leadership training, management training, you name it, you know, so we've, we've just bring in any idea that any lady could give us, we try to bring it to the table and find an expert on it and then have them teach us, so. Um, but like I said, it is blown up. Um, I did step down. It was so big. I couldn't concentrate with the new job. It was just a lot. So I knew it was best for the organization because I didn't want to sell it short because I love it so much. Uh, so Taylor has taken over now, Dickerson, and she is a rock star and I have no doubt that's why I've been able to let go because I knew she had it. Um, and I shoot we're looking at maybe in the future, doing a conference, Um, any type of event we've hired two people part-time now. So that's a big deal to actually have help. uh, Cause these boards, these ladies, I mean, we all have jobs and anything we do do for Wemos is on the side. So um, having somebody to help with invitations and design things. And we have a, we have a store now to buy um, merchandise and, all these things, you know, we've got ladies that are doing that in their free time just because they love it. So uh, we're now able to pay a few people and I'm hoping, I think the goal was by next year, we'll have a one full-time employee. That'll do nothing but Wemos. So that'll be a very big goal <laughs> because it is a beast.
0: Great, I'm glad to hear all that. Um, are you involved in any other industry organizations?
1: So I mentioned Riverworks Discovery, where we'll um, talk to the high school kids. And then I'm also on the board for uh, Mississippi Valley Trade and Transportation. I've been on there two years, and we host a conference every uh, year right before Mardi Gras and bring in, geez, last year we had almost 300 uh, attendees. So that's growing because it was around 200 before. And uh, actually looking at some new options there. We just had a board meeting to uh, try to bring, I guess, more like a little bit of the, what are we giving back, like educational, kind of like mirroring Wimmo's a little bit in some ways. So um, that's another organization that I work with.
0: Switching gears a little bit, uh, do you have any take on, with your operations experience and everything else you've done, uh, do you have any... Any take on how best the industry can improve recruiting and retention for the Marine side?
1: For the Marine side. That's a tough one. I mean, we, we're just competing with other industries that can offer a safer environment. I hate to say that. I mean, what we do is dangerous. So, you know, if a guy can make the same amount of money working at Lowe's and he's home every night, he's going to take that. I know we've tried everything under the sun. I mean, I'm not in HR. I just know when I talk to the kids, the information that I get from our people. But I'm hoping that educating from a younger age is is going to be a big factor too, especially I have three kids and I have two boys and the knowledge they know of the river just because of being around me and hearing it. I can hear them telling kids and about it. And then when I've talked to middle school kids, you know, I've had kids after like, Oh, you're the mom that came and talked to us about that stuff's cool. So I think it's more of exposure at a younger age. I don't think it's going to be fixed anytime soon, honestly. Um, but I think over time we just really need to catch and expose more and let people know what we do and get in front of the kids.
0: Do you expect your boys to follow you into the industry?
1: I don't know yet. Um, my 14 year old, um, I threatened him with summer jobs on a boat. So we'll see, uh, but he's not old enough yet. And then uh, the 10 year old, not just sure yet, he says he's taking over daddy's construction company. So <laughs> we'll see. My daughter, definitely not. She's 18 and she has no desire.
0: A lot of careers have started as little summer jobs. In fact, uh, I've, I've learned heard from a lot of people on this little podcast about that. So, maybe a so.
1: <laughs> a lot. You never know.
0: Do you have any any message for the uh, the industry as a whole that might be listening to this, or any women that are as I as I mentioned at the beginning, Wimos is sponsoring this one, so it, I'm hoping it gains some uh, some viewership there.
1: My biggest advice is. Uh... Jeez, I've been accessed a few times, and I've got a different answer every time. Don't give up. Don't let someone else knock you down. Just because someone said you can't do it, doesn't mean you can't do it. Um, My motivation in life has always been, and I get this from the first group of guys I worked at in logistics, and I guess I'm just hard-headed and stubborn like my dad, but I know they didn't think I'd make it and they didn't think I could do it. So I sat back and kind of like hold my beer, watch this. And I was like, all right, you think I can't do it? Watch what I could do. So have that, use that as fuel. Don't use it as knocking you down and then you leave our industry. And I think that's sometimes where we might lose amazing people. Um, you could do it. This, is, this industry has so many different ways to do things just because you have a different idea. doesn't mean it's a bad idea. So maybe nobody's thought of it yet maybe it's the next great idea so don't let people get you down if you believe in yourself go for it
0: and finally you kind of touched on it just now but I had a uh, one last question for you regarding those grumpy old men that served as mentors for you when you when you started as I hope they're listening to this uh <laughs> do you have any any message for them
1: well they already know because I already aggravate them that I moved up. No, I'm joking. Oh God. Thank you. That's really the biggest thing. I mean, I still to this day learning, especially when I moved over to logistics, uh, liquids, I go back to that base of what, how I learn things because I'm learning something new. And I went back to how did I learn logistics? And I'm using those tools that I learned 17 years ago and how some, difficult people at the time and they know i love them now taught me but it worked so thank you because i wouldn't be what i am today without it honestly i really would it toughened me up and made me see what i was made of
0: i think that'll do it thank you holly
1: thank you appreciate it
0: this has been a production of worry at studios
1: llc